and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. It's Thursday, March the 3rd. I'm Richard Woolley, editor in Reorg's London office, and today I'm going to be speaking to my fellow editor, Robert Schack, about Austrian packaging group Sure Flexibles, and I'm going to catch up with senior credit analyst Julia Rusconi about Belgian sanitary wear company Ideal Standard. In the middle of February, Reorg broke the news that Sure Flexibles was heading for a full-blown restructuring a few months after raising a new seven-year term loan B. Rob, you had the story. What happened? Hi, Richard. Yes, so back in September last year, when Sure Flexibles syndicated its €475 million Euro term loan B to back its buyout by BNC Group from previous sponsor Lindsay Goldberg, it managed to price the deal at Eurival plus 425 bips and a 99.5 OID, which was at the tight end of price talk. Investors liked Sure's batch process business model, which allows it to pass through rising raw material costs relatively quickly and insulate itself from the cost pressures that have been wrecking the margins of its peers. So investors were completely blindsided when the group said in its first communication since the buyout that it was heading for a restructuring as a result of potential accounting issues and compliance breaches, and that it had already retained PJT and Allen and Overy as financial and legal advisors and asked lenders to adv- hire advisors too. So what happened in those five months between the syndication and the announcement? It looks like after the completion of the deal, in which BNC Group acquired an 80% stake in Schur from Lindsay Goldberg, that the new sponsor discovered signs of fraud. Schur fired both the CEO and finance director in December, replacing them with the group's previous COO and bringing in an experienced manager from Semperit, one of BNC's other portfolio companies. It appointed Alvarez and Marcel to produce an independent analysis of the alleged compliance breaches and to prepare short-term cash flow forecasts and a new budget for 2022. Schur also appointed KPMG to provide a 12-month forecast and commission an IVR. In addition, the sponsors provided a 23 million emergency shareholder loan to show up liquidity. And how did lenders react to all this? They were both furious that the issues had not been discovered by the usual due diligence process, and alarmed given the sponsors had to inject liquidity and seemed to be targeting a full-blown restructuring. With no clarity on what the compliance and accounting issues were, investors feared that the group was facing a major liquidity hole. Sure highlighted that January trading was strong and provided a bullish top-line forecast for 2022, but did not mention its bottom line, which also raised concerns that it had overstated its EBITDA. As a result of these fears, the loans nosedived to the mid-60s from par. But agent bank JP Morgan was quick to set up a call the next day to start the process of lenders organising and forming a steering committee. During the call, it disclosed that Schur had drawn only 12.5 million euros under its 100 million euro RCF, and that the new management team had felt unable to draw down the facility further out of concerns over Germany and Austria's tough personal liability laws. That eased concerns over the size of the liquidity shortfall, which sent the loans back up into the low 70s, although people were still worried about the EBITDA overstatement. Few CLOs sold out, but those that had sure loans in their warehouses were forced to sell, given that you can't bring a new CLO to market with any loans quoted well below par. The buyers were mostly hedge funds trying to pick up info pieces, and Marathon Capital and Arcana Capital each began accumulating some of the debt and gaining 5 to 6 million euro stakes. Things moved pretty quickly from there. Lenders voted on a steering committee by the end of that week, Marathon and Akana Capital both tried to get into it, but failed, with the final list consisting mainly of banks, including some of the RCF providers, and the largest CLO lenders, including Apollo. That is important, since it means that the eventual restructuring will likely be softer, with the debt expected to be kept whole. 
hedge funds would have typically favoured larger haircuts and debt for equity swaps to capture more of the upside. Beauty parades started the following week, with lenders retaining Houlihan, Loki and Mulbank as legal and financial advisors ahead of the lender call scheduled for the end of that week, during which the company planned to provide preliminary findings on the accounting and compliance issues. Okay, and what came out during the lender meeting? According to Alvis and Marcel, the former CEO had siphoned out some 4 million euros by authorising a transaction into his private account. He and the former finance director also took out some 5.2 million euros of company leases for luxury apartments in Mayfair and ran up a 1 million euro travel and hospitality expense bill. The CEO also spent 8.7 million euros on consultancy services, which sure thinks was for kickbacks. The company launched criminal proceedings against both the former CEO and finance director. It said that they have been in touch and that they have both lawyered up. But more worryingly, Alvis and Marcel found that former management had also manipulated financial statements as far back as 2019. Sure had to restate its 2020 and 2021 figures, having effectively generated just half the previously stated EBITDA and provide a revised budget for 2022. It now expects to generate just 72 million EBITDA this year, a far cry from the 116 million EBITDA the deal had been marketed at in syndication. That means net leverage will be nearly 10 times instead of the 4.7 times investors thought when they bought the deal. And what about liquidity? Sure identified a 30 million euro new money need to get it through 2022, after which it expects to become free cash flow positive again. It is asking lenders to allow it to raise an add-on to its term loan B, while BNC and Lindsay Goldberg agreed to provide the funds by subscribing to the new debt. Following the negative news flow, Shure is also at risk of suppliers pulling its credit lines. The shareholders have already offered default guarantees for receivables accepted since February the 15th of up to 47 million euros to support the group's near-term liquidity, and they are also considering providing guarantees for the company's entire 80 million euros supplier financing. Right, so given the shareholders are sticking their necks out to secure the group uh, enough liquidity runway until it starts generating cash. Does it still need to restructure, do you think? Probably not, although there are still lots of things that could go wrong. There are actual and potential events of default, and Shure is currently seeking waivers from creditors for these. But so far, the sponsors have been as supportive as they could be under the circumstances, and the steering committee is packed with power lenders and relationship banks, so everyone looks aligned to provide a consensual solution. The loans have kept climbing and are now back at 80.83 already. Belgian sanitary wear group Ideal Standards senior secured notes, which were issued last July, are trading in the mid-80s and are yielding about 11%. Julia, you wrote the latest cash flow model for this company. Can you tell us a bit more about it, please? Hi, Richard. Sure. So Ideal Standards sells under a series of brands, including its own Porter and Armitage Shanks. The majority of its sales come from the repair and maintenance business, so it's not too exposed to construction. But it has quite a history of weak profitability and negative cash flows, and it did several debt and operational restructurings, which I think is one of the reasons why the notes have been trading below par, basically since their issuance. Just to mention that in 2014, the company did the debt-to-equity swap and four years later, it defaulted on its notes, and the note holders took over the business. Now, the shareholders are CVC and Anchorage Capital. So the notes were issued basically to fund a distribution to the shareholders. So, you know, the shareholders must have been confident in the company's prospects at the time, right? So how is the company performing now, and what do you expect in the future? 
Well, the company has made some changes to improve profitability over the past five years, which have paid off so far in terms of EBITDA. For example, it closed some sites in countries with high production cost and moved production to cheaper countries, as well as discontinuing some low margin products. The results in the third quarter 2021 were probably not as satisfactory. Revenue was down, margins were down because of raw material cost inflation, and inventory levels went up, which caused a significant working capital outflow. But management offers some reasonable explanations for that in the conference call. And the reduction in margins due to inflation is something that we have seen across a number of different companies lately. It seems that Ideal Standard manages to pass cost increases through customers with a lag of three to four months, so margins should level up in the medium term. Management also said that the ongoing operational transformation should come to an end this year in 2022. So we forecast that after this year, working capital will normalize, capex and restructuring expenses will reduce, a margin should improve and a company should start generating cash. Just to give you some numbers, the, we calculate that the, the level of free cash flow will, re, will represent between 4 and 6% of net debt and net leverage will reduce to 2.8 by the end of 2024. This, of course, does not take into account new shareholder distributions or new debt, so that remains a risk. You talked about some of the other downside risks in the analysis. Could you walk us through them? Sure. So, as I said, when risk is the exposure to raw material prices, meaning that improvements in profitability and cash flows relies on the company's ability to pass cost increases through customers. And the second risk is whether the business restructuring creates efficiencies and actually ends this year, because we understand that it has been going on for a long time. Under our low case, we assume a more severe margin pressure from inflation and a longer restructuring. Okay, and just finally, if we do end up in a low case scenario, what would the financial impact be? The impact would be that ideal standard will burn a small amount of cash from 2022 to 2024, but that can be covered through its RCF. So liquidity remains adequate but the leveraging will slow down. For example, we forecast net leverage gets to 3.9 by 2024 under the low case, instead of 2.8 under the base case. Likewise, the loan to value ratio rises to about 80% under the low case from 66% under the base case. As always, more information on these and other credits is available on the Reorg website. We'll be back in two weeks with another Reorg Europe podcast, but until then, stay safe and thank you very much for listening.